has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I am joined once again by one of my best friends. It's Evan Jakovac, round two of my, or part two, I should say, of my favorite 50 horror movie moments. It's good to be back. It's only been a couple of hours. Basically. And if you're listening and you're wondering why the why split it into two, you probably already know, seeing how that was a big ass. <laughs> the first 25 we did took forever. <laughs> oh, my God. What was it? We started at 10, 1030 and we didn't stop till 1 a.m. Yeah. And we we got soul draining corporate jobs that make us wake up before the sun is out. So oh God, don't don't remind me. I've got to go back tomorrow. <laughs> but this is why this is why we drink and this is why we podcast. <laughs> Amen. So let's just get back into it. But I'll do a quick little recap. At 50, we had Alien versus Predator. 49, the Friday the 13th, part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. 48, Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors. 47, It. Chapter 1 from 2017, 46 is Army of Darkness, 45 is Bride of Frankenstein, 44 is Annihilation, 43 is The Howling, 42 was the original Clive Barker's Hellraiser, 41 was Steven Spielberg's 2005 War of the World, 40 in the Mouth of Madness, 39 from Dusk Till Dawn, 38 the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 37 Paranormal Activity 3, 36 Scream 4. 35, The Descent. 34, Aliens. 33, Predator 2. (laughs) uh, 32, Cujo. 31, Saw. 30, Gremlins. 29, Doctor Sleep. 28, Pearl. 27, Nope. 26, Insidious. And at 25, we ended last episode with Jurassic Park. Oh, that's all? That's, that's all. all we got through. Oh man. That's oh, the closest God. I'm right. that's the closest I'm ever gonna get to being a rapper. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I'm pretty sure at least one of those rhymes somewhere. There there had to have been something. It <laughs> it tripped me up when I was like 33 predator 232 cujo. <laughs> Honestly, kudos. kudos to you for being able to hold your poise. <laughs> Let's get back into it. Uh, 24. I have another Stephen King adaptation, Misery. What a classic. And I think everyone knows everyone knows the moment. Y- you have to do the hobbling. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that is just one of the most. Oh, that's just a terrifying moment of it, all. So intense. And although, honestly, yeah. Just after recently rewatching that scene, she whips that sledgehammer around like it weighs paper. Well, she 
she's strong. I think people forget how strong Annie Wilkes is. I yeah, I know, but like rewatching it, it's like she's lifting up that sledgehammer and swinging it from the side the same way I would do a you know a pair of scissors. <laughs> like oh god, yeah, she's stupid strong. Um, my favorite is how it it knows the perfect frame to cut because it shows you just enough. Oh yeah, you know exactly what's happening, but yeah. you don't see exactly what's happening and you don't need to because the quick cut to him screaming is enough (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you're doing so good just one more to go like yeah no stop (laughs) one was enough i believe in the book she initially cut off his foot with an axe but i feel like this is worse (laughs) yeah no this is oh god yeah i don't know what would be worse because i mean if they cut off the foot then it's like you know yeah horrible but at least you know you're not going anywhere this one's just oh broken ankles feet like shaped inward oh god terrible terrible and the whole movie is great though oh yeah misery one of my top stephen king adaptations yeah me too I mean, James Caan, uh, Kathy Bates. It's just an acting masterclass. It truly is. And just disturbing on every level. As uh, as we get higher and higher on the list, I'm kind of realizing it's mostly the classics now. <laughs> We're in it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, and... there's, there's some not-so-classics on it. Well... I'll take your word for it, but I think they're uh, they're mostly the the classics everyone knows and loves. So it's we're getting into the fun stuff. Fair, yeah, I, I would go with that too. Not to be confused with the fun stuff that is the more ambitious and wild picks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, Jason boxing and smacking a man's head off, yeah. I would say these are less, you know, out there. (laughs) And at 23, we have probably one of the greatest horror movies ever made. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, God. What a classic. And my moment for this one, which there are plenty of iconic moments. I know. I have to go with the first appearance of Leatherface. I personally would have gone with the dance. And... There's so many right answers to this one question. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, but Leatherface is just, he is an absolute beast of a slasher. Yeah. Just like his motivations are so ridiculously cut and dry that it's amazing. It's well, just fun. He just want you know, he's just protecting his house from invaders and helping his family. He's just that's a simple boy. That's just the equivalent of I want to murder for the sake of murder. Well, I Leatherface is really interesting because I don't think well, he's definitely simple. Yes. I don't think he views these teens as people as much as animals. I think he pretty much just does what is family tells him because i think had leatherface grown up in a different home he might not be as 
fucking scary. <laughs> True. But also not. I mean, obviously, dude's just predisposed to violence. Maybe. I, yeah, I don't know. It's that nature versus nurture argument. And I think it depends on um it depends on which like sequel you watch too. Because the different sequels kind of bring different shades and different elements to Leatherface. But the original, it's very vague and ambiguous. And you can pretty much lend your own interpretation to that original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, yeah, the original is my favorite out of all of them. Oh, for that exact reason. For that exact reason is you can put any issue you want into it of, you know... Oh, well, he's just doing his job of protecting the place. Yeah, but now he's also, you know, a grown man who's mentally challenged and wielding a chainsaw. So, (laughs) you know, protecting your home kind of gets a little different meaning at some point. (laughs) And like you can view the whole film as like a metaphor for the meat industry, too. Oh, that is very true. Yeah. And I think Leatherface uh-huh. is kind of just like your average Joe, just trying to work in that metaphor, in that interpretation. That is true, but why when you're trying to get away, do you ever run into the shed full of chainsaws and knives <laughs> and other murderous equipment? The good old days of horror. <laughs> the, is it... the worst decision-making known to man. Didn't they do that in a Geico commercial? Is yes, that they absolutely did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as like my moment when he first appears, it's just this beautiful moment where leather, like you, you, if you go into this movie blind, you obviously know there will be a chainsaw and a massacre at some point because it's in the title. Oh, obviously. But you don't if expect it. Ma- I would be very disappointed. But you don't expect a man wearing another dude's face <laughs> coming out of nowhere and hitting that dude with a with a meat tenderizer. Yeah, honestly, should have been a chainsaw. <laughs> he, chainsaws, that. <laughs> he chainsaws one person and his own leg. Oh, my God, because, yeah, you did the would you die of his. And for yeah. the first <laughs> film, I was like, you know, Leatherface with his patented chainsaw literally chainsaw just one person in that whole first film yep (laughs) but he did do the dance with it so well the dance is one of the most iconic things (laughs) yeah that's that's the dance is so iconic like like a couple years back when they do like the oscars like we love movies montage they put the texas chainsaw massacre and leatherface dancing with his chainsaw and they did not put a lot of horror in that (laughs) yeah i was gonna say i mean it's just that scene is one of the most beautifully shot scenes yeah because like you have the sun coming up so it's the sun coming up across this farm and this dirt road with dust kind of like floating in the air and this just unhinged <laughs> mass, mass murderer just loving it. He's yeah. loving every second of life right there. And yeah, oh my God. I watched that movie just for that moment. So that would be my moment of this film. And it it is a perfect ending 
to basically ah. a perfect horror movie. Truly. Truly it is. And what can beat the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Apparently, I picked 22 movies that could beat the Texas Texas Chainsaw. But these are these are favorite moments. Mm-hmm. These are not what I think are the greatest of all time. If I had to pick the greatest horror movies of all time or the best horror movies of all time, Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be way higher. Don't look up, but also be on that list. <laughs> people are gonna think you're talking about leo dicaprio and it's like no no not not at all not at all it is the best worst horror movie of all time i I had to shout it out at least once i challenge all my listeners to try and find it it's so obscure (laughs) 2007 check it out (laughs) (sighs) well unfortunately that film's not on this list but you know what uh, is the next pick? Final what? Destination 2. Coming oh, in at man. 22. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I had to make sure one Final Destination got on this list. And um, I really, really like this that franchise. I think it's oh a little underrated. Final, Destima- Final Destination movies. Just all of them are... They're just wild rides. They, like, literally plane ride a highway ride roller coaster ride drag race ride yeah Um, they're they're literally all just wild rides (laughs) the bridge so (laughs) oh my god but um so your moment is from two so i I think final destination two is my favorite final destination movie okay so the highway oh yeah Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. That is, out of all of the, like, big opening deaths throughout the series, that is the one that is by far the most brutal. Because you see the moment where every one of the main characters who, you know, beat death and are therefore, you know, hunted yeah, by death. You see every single one of their individual deaths. It's not like the airplane goes down out of scene and, you know, everybody's gone or the roller coaster cart gets derailed and you just assume that. No, you see every single one of their faces smashed in by logs. And there's like fire and just gore and it's intense and it's insane. And I love it. The logs. The logs just punching through vehicles and taking people's heads off. Every time I see a log truck on the freeway, I I I just I just speed until yeah, I'm around, in safety. Get around them as fast as humanly <laughs> possible. It's the same I, thing I do. I, will, I ain't lollygagging. My life's on the line. Exactly. Like you will not catch me behind a log truck. Like I just can't do it. Well, also being in Michigan, there are quite a few of them. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're, you're probably speeding a lot. No one needs to know. Well, no one needs to know. To the podcast knows now, so no one needs Sorry. to know. <laughs> it's fair enough. Yeah, no, those Final Destination movies—they are—they're just fun. They are, and one way to put it. I, f- I feel like they got overshadowed a little bit by Saw, which was the main franchise that 
was out at the same time. True. I'm going to give a special honorable mention shout out to, I think it's from five, which I really like Final Destination five. But when the one girl is doing the gymnastics. Oh, no, not that one. Holy shit. Spartans beat Wisconsin. Oh, did they? Fuck yeah. Go green. <laughs> the whites. But yeah, back to Final Destination. <laughs> It's pretty god that's not a final destination moment. I am oh. knocking on wood. <laughs> but uh yeah, the gymnastics scene is like, oh, it gets me every time. Mm-hmm. And the way the way it kind of misdirects you, you think she's gonna step on the nail, but then like dust gets in her face and just she didn't stick the landing. No, no she did <laughs> not. Not at all. I is it weird that in my brain, every time I think of any one of the like final destination, like sort of wild outlandish deaths, I also have a reminiscent flashback to dodgeball and to Patches O'Hulahan getting crushed by the luck of the Irish sign? They're basically the same thing. Yeah, legitimately. That's, <laughs> that's a death pulled straight out of <laughs> final destination. Oh, yeah. Brushed by oh, two yeah. tons of irony, baby. <laughs> <laughs> From uh, Final Destination 2, we go on to The Evil Dead 2. Ooh, nice. I believe that is my last sequel on here. Really? Evil Dead 2, yeah. So, I'm, there are a lot of sequels on this list, but I believe Evil Dead 2 is my highest sequel on here. And... Because it's amazing. <laughs> oh, it really is. So the moment I picked, and this one was really hard to pick a moment from because there's so many good ones. There's oh. the eyeball in the throat. There's the movie. There's the beheaded corpse, the beheaded Groovy. stop motion uh, corpse dancing with the chainsaw, which honestly gave me nightmares the first time I saw it. <laughs> Wait, Really? Yeah, I love that moment. I laughed. It's scary. Oh, I laughed at that moment. I thought it was great. I thought it was so horrifying. I still kind of do. But but, <laughs> but the moment I'm going with is when Ash is just going crazy and he starts laughing. And then like the camera goes over to the deer and the deer starts laughing and then the house starts laughing and it like oh, just insanity. God. I love that. I love the moment. That moment in Evil Dead just raises it to a next level just because it just it delves the whole movie into an insanity. Yeah, that is because he shoots the shotgun into the side of the wall and the side of the wall just starts gushing blood out of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then everything starts laughing. Like, yeah, yeah, this is this is normal. Yeah. You know, your house is bleeding. You just shot it, and now we're all just enjoying ourselves. This is great. Good times. And then he and then he like dances with the house for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. I, I love when that movie finally like breaches its insanity like level and yeah. everything just kind of becomes surrealistic in it. And that is that's always been my favorite thing about the Evil Dead and more so the Evil Dead franchise because two kind of kicks it up a notch. Yeah. Even one even one had some moments of it. Right. Not as many, 
but it did have its moments of its, you know, insanity coming alive. But two, and then Army of Darkness, for yeah. sure. Army of Darkness, like, they all just went, you know, off the wall insane. But no, that, that's my favorite aspect of those films. And I will live and die on that on that sword. Oh, yeah. All right. What do we got next on the list? We are in the top 20. What? No shot. We made it. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. We have, I think, one of my favorite theater going experiences ever. I have the 2020 version of The Invisible Man. Ooh, okay. We were there together. Yep. You, you, me, and my mom. This was the last uh, film I saw in theaters, and I'm assuming that you saw in theaters before uh, COVID hit. Was it just the one right before it? It was my last one, yeah. Well, if it was your last one, it was definitely my last one because I'm not going to the theaters as much as you are. So, <laughs> And it came out in February of 2020. Did it? Oh, man. Yeah. That feels like, you know, six years ago at this point. What is time? Yeah, it doesn't exist. Just like birds aren't real. What? Birds aren't real. <laughs> But uh, The Invisible Man, The Invisible Man, I just think it's a fantastic movie. It's my favorite movie of 2020. Fair. Elizabeth Moss is so good in it. And my moment is a moment where everyone in the theater gasped. And every time I show this movie to someone, they gasp because I think this is one of the greatest horror movie moments ever. And I think time will back me up on that. It's too soon to tell now, but I, I think this will go down in history. I don't know which one it is. It is when Elizabeth Moss and her sister are in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you think Elizabeth Moss is finally going to get her sister to trust her, to believe her. Her sister is going to be on her side. And then a knife is floating. And just all of a sudden, no warning, slits the sister's throat. And the knife flies into Elizabeth Moss's hand. And she's effectively framed for the murder of her own sister yep that moment was i think the real reason that moment hits so hard is because it doesn't give you long enough to react to it right that is literally you know they're talking 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 and then between her sister dying and that knife in her hand is like a total of two seconds yeah it's like knife up in the air slit throat in hand and you're like what the hell just happened and the movie really puts you like makes you process that moment the same way that elizabeth moss's character is oh yeah yeah it happens so quickly so unexpectedly but also the sheer amount of moments in that movie too like the restaurant scene is i i would also put that at the top with closely followed second the mental hospital massacre scene mm, yeah <laughs> where she's in the room and she's like are you here with me and then manages to hit him with something was was just water or whatnot no like it was like a pen or something yeah she stabbed was... him with a pen yeah stabbed him with a pen and it like malfunction the suit for a second but then this like half or a quarter like visible humanoid being is just murdering every single person 
in that whole mental facility. Oh my god, that that was uh I wouldn't put that on the horror aspect of things, but for action movie kind of moments. <laughs> yeah. That was a 10 out of 10 for sure. And I love the I love the update to the invisible man because in like the original um universal classic He's a mad scientist who's using like potions and shit. Whereas in this new update, he's still a mad scientist, but the science isn't necessarily like turning your body invisible more of it's a suit covered in cameras and the cameras reflect back. Yeah. Everything around it. So yeah, no, it, it was, that's an amazing idea. Oh, absolutely. And the ending of it too, where she takes the suit and yeah, Love fucking with him. Oh, mwah, chef's kiss. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. It, it is one of the best movies of the 2020s. And I think it will stay that way when we're heading into 2030 and looking back on this decade in film. I honestly think so, too. For horror movies, that's very high up on my list. Oh, yeah. At 19, I have Get Out. Because for me, that was an instant classic. I think for everybody who watched the film, it was an instant classic. Fair enough. And it got Jordan Peele and Oscar right off the bat. Like, hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, he he absolutely deserved it. Oh, yeah. And it did horror in a way that has only been like, I mean, you look at the, you know, 2000s and the early 2010s and whatnot and they were all kind of going with the let's remake things or basically gore like yeah up the wazoo kind of this is how you make your money on horror <laughs> and he finally comes out with something and he's like now i'm gonna bring horror back to its roots for a second and you know have a terrifying message while making also an amazingly beautiful film because it is it is gorgeous oh yeah and my moment plays with how how visually striking this film is. And the moment I picked is when Chris, Daniel Kaluuya's character, first gets trapped in the sunken place. Yeah, that is a just just the visuals of the sunken place, just falling into an abyss with yeah no light. I don't remember it like all too clear. Are there like like little sparkles, like little stars around? It's almost like he's being like floating in space kind of deal. I think it's more like ripples, not stars, but more like more like you're know. you're you're underwater, like yeah, water with a little light like kind of coming through it and flowing. Yeah, because like he still sees what he can see, but it's like this tiny window in a sea of blackness as he's drifting away you know yeah no it's an insane concept in a it it blows your mind you know it 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 really does and the fact that that movie has just the most like foreseeable twist of all twists (laughs) but you you don't see it coming regardless (laughs) it's like Oh, okay. Like your retrospective brain is like, yeah, no, that makes sense. I should have seen that coming the entire time. Whereas it it was not as obvious. It still fucks with my brain. <laughs> it was still so obvious yet so not obvious at the same time. And I gotta say, with Get Out being at nineteen, Nope being at twenty seven, us 
was a contender for this list. Uh, I did not put us on this list, but as far as I'm concerned, that could have easily been on this list. And um, Jordan Peele's three for three for me. Actually, I have his movies. I've never seen us. Us is really good. We're going to have to fix that soon. Yeah, we will. And number 18, I'm going with, I believe, the oldest film on this list. The oldest. Okay. And that is... I don't have a list up yet. <laughs> and that is 1931's Frankenstein. Oh, what a classic. Bride was on here. It's funny. I love the Universal Monsters only the two Frankenstein films I actually put on my list. The Wolfman's not on here. Dracula's not on here. The Invisible Man and Creature from the Black Lagoon aren't on here. But I love those movies. That's so, true. But I mean, it's hard to come up with 50. Like, I was saying how Us didn't make the list. Us easily could have made this list. I also snubbed Child's Play. I love that original Chucky movie. And then... A big omission I realized shortly after making this list, which it totally deserves to be on here because I love this film and I can't believe I forgot it. The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't blame you because any single time you ask me what are my top 10 favorite horror moments, every single time I will choose 10 different movies. And that's the same thing <laughs> for me. There will like, be a was... couple that like pin at the top, but a, a lot of them are going to be different every single time you ask me. And like I made this list in a night. Ask me on a different night. It's going to be a completely different list. But uh, back to Frankenstein, my favorite moment is not really a horror moment. It's actually a moment of beauty. And it's the monster playing with the little girl. Aww. And yes, I know yeah. that turns into a horror moment later, but that that's not part of my moment. <laughs> I will just say, like, Frankenstein has always been one of my favorite, like, monsters of all. Mm -hmm. Because Frankenstein's monster is not actually a monster. Right. He's just misunderstood. He's a creature, and, but he has feelings and thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> terrified of fire. But he sees the beauty in the flower. And he mm -hmm. just wants to make the little girl float, <laughs> just like the flowers. But he doesn't know. Oh, it's such a heartbreaking scene. Ah, man. Uh, Mary Shelley, wherever you are, thank you. <laughs> respect. <laughs> respect. All the respect. Mary oh. Shelley creating one of the most iconic science fiction and horror works of literature in the same book <laughs> yeah and she did it i think she wrote it at like well don't don't knock me off people if you're hearing this but i think she was like 16 or 18 years old when she wrote it you know what i was writing at 18 not no. frankenstein <laughs> yeah no not even close at 16 i was writing a half-assed book report on frankenstein <laughs> <laughs> that, that's more like it yeah that, so that, that that's what i would that's what i would agree with it's funny because i have frankenstein really high on this list uh bride of frankenstein did make the list and it but it's much lower i think bride of frankenstein is actually a better movie because i watched both of them kind of recently and uh i think bride of frankenstein might be one of the best sequels ever made in addition to like terminator 2 and the empire strikes back and paddington 2 and the Godfather Part Two. Yeah, <laughs> Paddington Two. <laughs> a 
love that slip in there. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I think we can move on to number 17. And I got to go with one of the movies that blew away high school Austin. And that is The Cabin in the Woods. Oh, God. That not only blew away high school Evan, it blew away college Evan as well. Yeah, because it came out like in our last year of high school. <laughs> yes, it did. And I, it's a good movie in the first couple, like in the first two acts, don't get me wrong. But it's all set up to my favorite moment of the movie, the glorious moment where the main, the final girl hits the purge button in the facility and lets all of the monsters loose. Yeah, that movie is just, that movie is a masterclass on subversion for the longest time. Mm -hmm. for the first full act it's just you know a haunted house movie or haunted cabin in the woods kind of movie it lives up to its name at the second at the second act you finally start to get these you know you start to get the people underneath of you know saying placing bets on what they're gonna die to what are the monsters you know Mm-hmm. Is the virgin going to live? Is she going to die kind of deal? And then the third act just goes full on sci-fi horror murder fest. And that makes me so happy. And it has everything. It has a werewolf. It has a creepy killer cra- clown. It has a giant snake. It has an alien <laughs> creature, a pinhead knockoff, a merman. It has zombies, uh, creepy ballerinas, deadites, banshees, everything. A killer yeah, robot, no. a unicorn. Oh, my God. The unicorn scene is one of the greatest in all of cinema. Iconic. <laughs> I fucking conic. Yeah. And the, you just see the unicorn with blood all over its face. I showed oh, this movie a couple years back to my mom. She hadn't seen it at this point, and I showed it to her. Really? And she's and she's getting into it. She likes it. And all this mayhem's going on, and we're watching, and the unicorn comes on screen. She's like, I swear to God. She goes, what the fuck's a unicorn going to do? <laughs> and the unicorn proceeds to stab the shit out of this guy. And she goes, oh, okay. That's what the unicorn's going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like she said that, and then it did it, and she's like, "Oh God, all right." <laughs> and and the thing I absolutely love the most about that movie is it just takes every single one of like the standard tropes of horror movies, mm-hmm. like the couple, you take your shirt off, you die first, like you know, standard kind of stuff. Yeah, and they just you know do all of the standard things, and the stoner ends up getting just bludgeoned and ends up living somehow <laughs> stoner dude one of my favorite characters he deserved better <laughs> he did but it worked i guess true it worked i just i just love when he finds the cameras and his first thought is oh, i'm on reality tv <laughs> my mom's gonna think i'm such a burnout <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I mean, I would think reality TV before I think being a sacrifice to the old gods. (laughs) In order to prevent the apocalypse? Yeah, probably. (laughs) 
uh, I, I would say reality TV is my first guess. Yep, but it's funny because in the cabin in the woods, in the mayhem scene, there is a, a I mean, there's so many monsters covering the frame. It's hard to like see each and every one. But there's one where it's just it's it's a girl in a white dress covered in blood. Who does that remind you of? It reminds me of our next yeah moment. <laughs> Number sixteen goes to the nineteen seventies. Carrie. Oh yes, Absolutely. another Stephen King. It's Brian De Palma, and the moment is prom night. Is there any other moment that could be on this list from that movie? When she kills her mom, I think the very. I the dr- the wake up from a dream nightmare. There are other moments for sure when she flips a car. Yeah, um, and kills Travolta. Kind of, nothing that kind of raises to this level. It, it's the pig's blood. You gotta oh, go with the pig's blood. They're all gonna laugh at you. They're all gonna laugh at you. <laughs> yeah, they're all gonna laugh at you. And then you know she's going to use her psychokinetic powers to just end up murdering most of you. I think Carrie is an, a great film. I will admit Carrie is one of the films that I watched a little too young. So it'll always have a special place in my heart for traumatizing me. Oh, that's fair. But what hasn't traumatized you? Moving on to number 15. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Good segue. Good segue. I'm a professional. <laughs> Moving on to number 15, we have my highest rated zombie film of the list. Might be my only zombie film on the list, actually. I'm not a big fan of zombies, to be honest. I like zombies, but, like, they're not my faves. Huh. Is that actually your only zombie film on it? Yeah, because I would say a contender would have been Train to Busan, but I didn't put Train to Busan on here. Busan was very, very good. Now, if, if this was a best of list, Train to Busan would be on in the top 10. I would probably put it higher than the movie you're about to mention. I think a lot of people would, but this isn't a best of. It's not a greatest. It is a favorite. Yeah. But the movie I'm about, I'm about to mention is on plenty of best ofs, plenty of greatests, because oh, well, this is the zombie movies of zombie movies. Mm-hmm. We don't get The Walking Dead. Or 28 days later without George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. What an absolute classic. Gotta love the good old zombie. This movie just, every time I watch it, it just blows me away. I think it's such a fantastic piece of art with the most depressing ending. True. I mean, I think it's probably also one of the most realistic zombie movies because there are no happy endings in a zombie movie. Fair. Fair. A realistic ending, to be sure. And that's what makes the movie so heavy. But it's so... I I think it's fantastic. I think it's so important, not just for the zombie film, but, I mean, it was like one of the first horror movies to have a black lead character. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah. And um, it took a long time for horror to diversify <laughs> so this movie is super important to the genre took a long time for all of cinema to diversify that's fair that's fair but um night of the living dead it's just a great movie 
my moment I'm going with, though, it's probably one of the most messed up moments, not just in this movie, but on this list. <laughs> That's that is honestly fair. And it is when the little girl, the little zombie gil- girl kills her own mom with a fucking trowel. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that is that's just a heart-wrenching moment because I mean she's just in the although let's face it, she is on top of an already dead person. So so a little fault on the mom there to not, you know, recognize the situation going on. But in <laughs> but their defense, they haven't seen any zombie movies. They don't know what bites do. <laughs> that, that is fair. But oh my god, just just the mom screams of she's just hoping and praying that you know her little girl is not a zombie or can you know miraculously just jump out of her you know mania i guess would be the word Mm -hmm. i don't know just to get straight up smacked and beaten relentlessly and then devoured Oh God, that that is just uh, it's a moment that gives you chills. Oh yeah, it's a haunting moment of a haunting film, and I I think it's fantastic. From one of the most important horror films of all time, we go to another one of the most important horror films of all time. At number fourteen, I have Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Mm, Yes, Psycho. Honestly, Psycho is wild because it still holds up. Might not have the same terror like inducing as it did back in its day, but it is still just absolutely horrifying. And what can we say about Psycho that hasn't already been said? (laughs) Nothing. We can contribute absolutely nothing to Psycho. I mean, we're trying. We're trying our best, but Psycho is amazing. It's been talked about in every single realm of possibility in every single way. As it should. It's just iconic in every way. Oh, yeah. And I know your scene, and I'm not going to spoil your scene because you're going to tell me your scene. (laughs) But we got to give a shout out to the shower scene. One of the most iconic movie scenes, not horror scenes, movie scenes. Of all time. Everyone of knows the shower literally scene. all time. I just just hearing the like reports and stuff of people like throwing up and leaving theaters in mass numbers after that point, they don't even get remotely close to your favorite scene if they're leaving at that point. Right. <laughs> like, oh my god. No, it's it's absolutely wild. What a what an amazing movie. It is pretty much perfect. And my my moment, my moment that I'm going to go with, I decided not to go with the shower scene because when I first watched Psycho, I was actually in college when I first watched Psycho. And I knew the shower. Yeah, I knew the shower scene. So I wasn't surprised, but I knew it was coming. Um, I'll admit I didn't know it was coming as early as it did. So there was still a little bit of shock. Oh, but, yeah, it's it's quite, it's pretty early, early in the movie. Yeah, a little bit before the halfway mark or exactly at the halfway mark or something. But my mind was blown when Vera Miles' character 
not Marion Crane, but the sister, Marion's sister, she's in the Bates house and she makes it down to the cellar and she finds Norman Bates' mom and she goes to wake her up and turns around the chair and it's his mother's corpse. Mm-hmm. And Norman Bates comes roaring in in his mom's clothes and you realize the mother has been dead this whole time and Norman Bates has been himself and his mother and it blew my mind. Oh, God, what what iconic, what an iconic moment, especially just the moment of turning her around and the special or the practical effects, I would say. Yeah. Of the <laughs> corpse. So decrepit. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, she's been dead a long time. And that twist was so insane to me. I didn't I didn't I- see it coming at all. I'm actually shocked that it took you till college to be able to figure that one out. Well, I didn't see the movie, so (laughs) I have to see the movie to figure it out. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, Norman Bates is at the tops of a lot of people's list of, you know, favorite horror villains. And he should be. Got. He's one of the first, like, you have to just put it in the perspective of, like, mentally challenged. Like, Mm -hmm. like mental deficiency also being, or, you know, split personality, things like that. You know, mental disorders being a source of a person's violence because they play off of that on almost every single following slasher horror movie like every single one of your slasher villains aside from like the alien predator who they have the you know nog of saying oh they're aliens they just do what they want right looking at like michael myers like well michael myers is just evil that's like his whole point but he spends a lot of his time in a sanatorium so fair true so yeah that whole thing was kind of brought on by Psycho of, you know, real life conditions can also be slightly terrifying. And it's well, the big the, the big connection I always make is there is a direct line from Norman Bates to Leatherface. And then there's a direct line from Leatherface to Buffalo Bill. True. And true, they're true. all. They are all inspired by the same real-life murderer, Ed Gein. Oh, I didn't know that. Fun fact. Oh, my God. Grizzly fact. (laughs) Grizzly horrible fact. I'm I'm not quite sure fun is the right word. I was going to say, yeah, probably not the funnest fact in the world, but a terrifying (laughs) one. It is a fact. (laughs) But, yeah, Psycho's fantastic. The mother twist is one of the best twists ever, and uh, not much more we can say. Going on to lucky number 13, you would think you'd think we'd go with Jason, but Jason only has a one entry on this list. It's his rival who is in the 13th spot. I have the original A Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah, uh, yes. Freddy fucking Krueger. And we talked... I'm sorry. Oh, I said he's an absolute classic. Oh, yeah. We talked at length about Freddy in the last segment when we were talking about part three Dream Warriors. But the original Nightmare on Elm Street will always have a special place in my heart. 
because uh, I watched that movie a bunch while I was in high school. Did you? Yeah, and it took me way too long to watch literally any of the other Nightmare movies. So Nightmare on Elm Street was the only Freddy movie I saw while I was in high school. Honestly surprised by that. I, I don't know why, but that that's how it ended up being. So the original one will always have a special place in my heart. And it took me like this one was super hard to pick a moment from because like I feel like when he turns the phone and he's just like, I'm your boyfriend now are like are when sucking Johnny Depp into the bed and then the fountain of blood coming out Uh or a geyser of blood. I mean, or uh, when Nancy Thompson like home alone's her house to fight Freddie. Like there are so many iconic moments in a nightmare on Elm street, but I went with Tina's death, which is the first kill. That one. The first kill in the series. <laughs> I I mean, you can't go wrong with it, though. I mean, just let alone the dream scene in the alleyway, but the just more so and far more terrifying. Just her flying around the fucking room. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so violent and visceral. I think the one moment out of that whole scene is just when she's like kind of crumpled up into the corner of the room. Yeah. Like, like, I don't care about the sp- just the fact that it like she gets into that corner and then just kind of like crumples up in the corner. Oh, God, it's just terrifying. And I just, you know, a, a, mo- a horror moment is good when I react to it every time. <laughs> I think it's a uh, fantastic, fantastic uh moment in an iconic film oh absolutely i i love freddy me too such potential as a horror villain a horror monster slasher killer dream (laughs) i don't know insert whatever sort of dreamy type death thing term you want here he is just oh god he is just so cool He's cool in every way and in every like horribly wrong way. Yeah, I have a feeling he won't be gone for much longer. I think Freddy's going to make a comeback and I think it's going to be glorious. At number 12, I have The Omen. I think The Omen is a fantastic film. And the obvious answer would be to go with the nanny who, uh, hangs herself at Damien's birthday party, but Damien, yeah. it's all for you. And then jump in and hang in herself. Yeah, that, that would be my normal thought process on most terrifying moments of that film. The second obvious answer would be the greatest beheading of all time and the unofficial inspiration to Final Destination where the truck of sheet glass magically starts rolling down and then beheads the photographer. Oh, no, true. But no, <laughs> I like to be difficult. Yeah, yeah, you do. And my favorite moment for I don't know why, I just love when Gregory Peck and the photographer are like looking for evidence in the cemetery and they find like Damien's mother, who's literally a jackal, and then they get surrounded by Rottweilers in the cemetery. And it's this beautifully horror like scary moment and they have to get out of the 
it's like loud and dogs are barking and growling and like the music is horrifying. It's such a f- great moment for me. But yeah, but the dogs attack them too. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there's so much going on in this scene. <laughs> oh the, my god. Yeah, that is one of the honestly for the whole movie. It's got like kind of like this slow place so slow pace something big happens slow pace something big yeah. happens that one's just like all you know top energy kind of moments of that yeah film. and like at one point gregory i think it's gregory pack who's trying to get over the fence and hit and like he trips a little bit and his arm gets stabbed in one of the fence spikes oh my god yeah no the omen is what can you say about the omen? The omen is just iconic. Fun just... fact, actual fun fact: the director of the omen also directed the original Superman. Really? With uh, Christopher Reeve? Yeah. Christopher Reeve. I did not expect that. And <laughs> types of films. And he directed the Goonies. Man, there were simpler times back in the days where directors could do multiple types of movies. As long as they were all bangers, which those were. <laughs> Rest in peace, Richard Donner. Oh, rest in peace. At number 11, we have what is quite possibly the greatest remake ever made. Number 11, we have John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, man. I love The Thing. You've got to be fucking kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to be fucking kidding. That's my moment, too. (laughs) Oh, well, well, yeah. Yeah, that's honestly fair enough, because that is one of the moments. And it it is a film comprised of the moments, like the blood test are the the dog transforming or um, the end, the very end. There's just so many great iconic moments in this film. Kurt Russell is at his most Kurt Russell. Keith David is in the movie and I love Keith David, but there's something about the scene where the one guy's having a heart attack. So when he goes to get resuscitated, his chest opens the fuck up, <laughs> eats the guy's arms. She starts turning into the thing. So Kurt Russell has to flamethrower him. And then the dude's head falls off, grows spider legs You've got to be fucking kidding. <laughs> You've got to be fucking kidding. I mean, the thing is just, it's just fun. I, I can't put it in any other words. It's just a fun creature. It's a fun movie. It's a paranoid movie. Oh, it Full of testosterone. <laughs> it's action horror on steroids. There's only one movie I think has more testosterone than The Thing. And that would be the number eight film. But we got to go to number 10 first. Fair enough. (laughs) We are officially in the top 10. And I'm going to go with a film that is so scary. People forget that no one dies in this movie. It is a scariest movie that no one dies in. I didn't know that. Okay. It is the ultimate. It is Steven Spielberg producing Toby Hooper directing Poltergeist. Nobody dies in Poltergeist? Nope. I mean, there are a lot of dead people in it, technically, with, you know, the the bodies in the pool and then the ghosts. Well, yeah. 
no one dies in the movie. Yeah, no, my uh, my limited knowledge about this film from probably 10 years back or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I could have sworn somebody died in it. <laughs> nope. I think Poltergeist is probably one of the most fun roller coaster horror movies. Oh, absolutely. It is. It is everything you want from a movie involving both Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper. Like, That's can you fair. can you imagine being alive in 1982 and just being like, so you mean to tell me the director of Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark is teaming up with the director of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Not the dream team I would have imagined at that time, but sure. It, it, it would have been the dream team for me, I tell you that. <laughs> I don't uh, know, hey, you were born in 1980s, you might have a completely different personality. <laughs> Fair. We don't know. Yeah, but uh, Poltergeist is a great, iconic film. And my moment in this one is actually a comedic moment. Because while there is so many great horror moments in Poltergeist, the the scene that I always think of is when the mom is telling the psychic because that one of them has to go into like the portal to save Carol Ann, the daughter. And the psychic goes, the mom's like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll go in there. I'll get my baby. And the psychic mm-hmm. goes, I'll do it. You've never done this before. And the mom just goes, neither have you. So the psychic's like, you're right. <laughs> you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. You're right. You go. I'll go in. You've never done this before. Neither have you. You. Oh, God. Oh, that film. That is such a it's such a weird film for me. Like if I'm if I'm thinking about it. Yeah, because it's truly one of those like first like. Every time I think of it, I also think of the uh, the whole like I see dead people kind of <laughs> stuff. Oh, like, like the sixth sense. Yeah, like sixth sense. It's like a psychological film as opposed to a horror film to me. It's got I think more. You need that, to, like, I think you need to rewatch Poltergeist. I might need to. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but like, like I know, like especially the TV scene. Yeah, things along those like. Yeah, they're here, and it just the light just starts pulling out of the TV and just roaming mm-hmm. around the room. Yeah, if nobody died in that, honestly, shocked by that. Yeah, I mean, even Gremlins has a couple kills. Well, yeah, because Gremlins are fucked up creatures that are despised by God. But you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's crazy that Poltergeist is this really scary movie. But like no one dies. Yeah, it's it, I it's, mean, it's, got, it's got so much going on in it. Yeah, I, I do think it is a perfect roller coaster of a film. It's That's so much fair. fun, and uh, I love watching it every October. <laughs> That's fair enough. You do you. So now that we're officially in the top ten, we are now into single digits. Ooh, and I've got yet another John Carpenter film. Really, and. The highest Stephen King film on my list. The underappreciated masterpiece, 
Christine. Oh, Christine. Yeah. Christine's such a good movie. It is so good. And I feel like, and I, I know everyone has like their own opinions and that's fine. But I never find people that are like, Christine's my favorite John Carpenter movie. Christine's my favorite Stephen King movie. Christine is one of my favorite horror movies ever. It's easily, easily in my top 10. Okay, well, I was going to say, you're you're going to experience a lot of, uh, you know, comeback when saying it's your favorite Stephen King movie. Well, no, I'm just saying I don't see... No, a lot of uh, it is, Okay, it is my favorite Stephen King movie. It is. What? Okay. It is. And I know, I know there's the Shawshank Redemption. And I know there's the Shiny. And Misery. And It. And Pet Cemetery and Cujo and Carrie. Stephen King has so many good movie adaptations. I don't need to say the bad ones. Like we know he has the bad ones too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are not so great ones as well. But there's so many great ones. I think Christine is one of them. Well, I would put Christine on the list of great ones, but Shawshank Redemption, come on, man. I forgot to mention the Green Mile in the Mist. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Those as well. <laughs> but I was going to say Shawshank Redemption and The Shining are probably the two I would put above it. I think most people would. Yeah. I think most people would put Pet Cemetery and Misery and Carrie above them. Above okay, it. well, the Pet Cemetery uh, stabbing of the Achilles tendon is a scene that will go down in my life as just horrible. Also, a blatant, a blatant snub on my part. I forgot about Pet Cemetery. Shit. I, 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 I was going to say that will that will go down as one of the most. I saw that and I got like my stomach churned. From yeah, upset at seeing oh, that. That is a that is a scary movie, and I think Pet Cemetery holds up still. No oh, fair, Daddy. No fair. There isn't another Stephen King adaptation that just. Christine is a movie I could put on every day if I wanted to and not get sick of it. Fair enough. And I think it's fun. I, I'll admit, I don't really like cars as a Michigander. That's like a weird thing to admit. But I let, let me kind of like clarify. I get a fear if I'm like driving or I'm walking and there's like headlights behind me. Okay. It, Odd enough, yeah. And I'm not saying I think it's Christine behind me, but like... I was going to say, I'm also an engineer in the automotive industry, and I'm not also the biggest fan of cars. But you know what I mean? Like, Period. I think Christine kind of taps into a fear love, of that. I do love driving. So the fact that Christine literally created a fear of just automobiles in you, I don't know if it's like a fear of automobiles, but it's a fear of like being followed by a car, which I guess yeah. everyone is afraid of being followed. But for me, it's cars, especially true, I guess, because like, like, I, I don't think it's necessarily a demonic possessed car following me. But like, you never know if the I person mean, you can never be 100 percent sure it's not a demonically possessed car. Exactly. And it's like, you know, when you're like trying to drive home, it's kind of late at night and this car is making too many of the same turns as you, you get a little paranoid. Oh, yeah. No, I've done some extra turns. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like kind of stuff. So I'm like, I'm gonna turn down this street and then turn like right back onto the same street because this guy's been following me for a while. Like bumped up to my tail, like right to my ass for a long time. I'm yeah. gonna see if he's actually following me. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so Christine kind of delves into that a little bit for me. And then I'm also, you know, I don't, I don't like ghosties. Ghosties scare me. So. <laughs> Christine has some of that going on as well. First, folks, cars and ghosts. Ghosties. No ghosts. (laughs) But my favorite, my favorite moment from Christine has to be when that Plymouth Fury is on fire. Ah, yes. That is. I don't care how scary your villain is. You set them on fire. It makes it so much more badass. It brings a whole extra meaning to the term screaming metal death trap. <laughs> I no, that, that moment in the film is awesome. I am truly in love with that moment. I think it's such a great visual. And I think I mean Christine's just a fantastic film. The the way it the way the car corrupts poor nerdy Arnie Cunningham and like oh, basically the Spider-Man 3 symbiote plot line stole it it stole that its plot from Christine. Oh, that's absolutely true. Yeah. No, it's absolutely great. Also, giving a shout out to the newest uh, Batman film, The Batman. Mm-hmm. For having oh, their, yeah, their, yeah. their own Christine moment. The Batmobile uh, definitely had Christine vibes. Oh, it had a Christine moment in that film with its lights and it's revving the engine in the alleyway. Oh. And then when the Batmobile was on fire. Oh my God, it was also on fire. <laughs> it took multiple moments from Christine for that. As it should. Honestly, fair uh, enough. I also notice, um, I'm not going to make the argument that the Batman is horror. I don't think it is, but Matt Reeves definitely pulled from the from the playbook of John Carpenter for a lot of different moments because it has some oh. Halloween vibes. At oh, one hundred percent. I mean, uh, I I love that movie just because of how how it handled its serial killer moments. I guess you could put it. Yeah, wanted to you know have the Riddler as a serial killer kind of deal. How oh, it handled and, yeah. those and how it handled kind of the overarching mystery of things. Now, obviously, yeah. you know, Batman beating up the thugs and the Christine chase with the penguin. Awesome. It was <laughs> but, so good. But, you know, I the, the way it handled itself was really unique in the styles that it pulled from. Because there were multiple yeah. of them throughout that whole film. And uh, you can think... John Carpenter, and you can thank Christine for that. <laughs> Will do. Thank Mostly you. John Carpenter. No, thank you, Demon Car. Thank you, Demon Car. <laughs> On to number eight. Ooh. While we were talking about John Carpenter's The Thing, I mentioned how that film being so full of testosterone, I can only think of one film that has more testosterone, and it is my number eight pick, Predator. Oh, well, of course. Predator is the film that Predator is testosterone as a film. Predator invented testosterone. 
I, I was going to say the amount of times I've gone, Austin, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and then the best handshake <laughs> in cinematic history. Oh, absolutely. The biceps bulging. <laughs> Can we talk about how quotable Predator is? I ain't oh, got time. <laughs> a thousand lines. I ain't got time to bleed. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> oh and my it, god. That that movie is just it's perfect. I love when Arnold throws a machete into like the one gorilla dude in the action scene in the action set piece. He throws a machete into the gorilla dude and like it stabs him through a door and Arnold just goes, stick around. <laughs> oh my god. The the one liners in that movie will not be beaten by any movie for ever. Yeah, probably forever. I- I'll have to give it to it. And my favorite my favorite quote is also my favorite moment. Now this is a movie with it's one of my favorite movies of all time. There are so many moments that I could have put in this list. Uh a big one coming to mind is when Billy, the tracker, he stops on the bridge takes off his shirt, drags the machete across his chest, and then gets murdered by the Predator off screen. <laughs> <laughs> I I love this movie. The Predator is one of my favorite monsters. I think he has such a great design. The suit is amazing. Um, just the lore they ended up making for the creature. But my moment, my number one moment of the film, my number one quote of the film has to be when the Predator unmasks himself and you see his face for the first time. And Arnold says what everyone's thinking. You are one ugly motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is. I just love the Predator in every way. Just the amount of... And just, like, when you're pitching this movie... As just a baseline, like first initial pitch, you're like, we want the ultimate like hunters, military personnel in the world to become the hunted by some weird alien race. And they took that idea and they ran with it in the absolute best way possible. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. And yeah, the Predator is one ugly motherfucker. And that's why I love him. <laughs> that uh, that Predator means so much to me. It is it is such an important movie to me. And I, I think one of the reasons why I love that moment is because that was my grandpa's favorite moment, too. He loved. Really? Yeah, he loved that part. He would like he'd laugh a bunch. Like, we'd laugh a bunch <laughs> with that line. So oh, uh, I, I have the best memories of Predator. It is a brilliant film, and oh, yeah. Very spectacular. One of my favorite movies of all time, for sure. At number seven, I am going with, I think, if you were born in the 90s, number seven is one of the definitive horror films of your childhood. It is The Ring. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> and there are so many moments you could pull from The Ring. Holy shit. That ring, the Ring is so scary. Oh, it absolutely is. And my first time watching it was on a portable DVD player in a in a tent <laughs> on a farm. 
The only worse movie to watch in that setting is The Blair Witch Project. <laughs> While there is a plethora of iconic moments to pick from the ring, for me, what always gets me is after the Hallmark ending, where you think everything's going to be okay, our queen Naomi Watts puts her body to rest. They uncover the mystery. You think uh, everything is going to be all right. And then he's, tell <clears throat> he's telling her son, and he's like, you helped her? And she goes, yeah, why? What's wrong? And he like gets up and his nose starts bleeding. And he just mm -hmm. goes, she never sleeps. And it goes straight right into her, right into the death of the stepdad mm -hmm. or the ex-husband, however you want to, not stepdad, the actual dad, the ex-husband, yeah. however you want to refer to him as, which is terrifying. But I just love the right before one of the most iconic moments of the movie just the she never sleeps i think that's so scary you you can't you can't talk your way out of that you have to spread her curse that's the only way of surviving samara is putting her on someone uh, passing that evil to someone else yeah well that kind of sucks why can't oh just... yeah it's horrible <laughs> <laughs> can't you just destroy the original copy <laughs> Samara never sleeps. Samara is that bitch. And I love I, her. Yeah, I, I hate know. it. Therefore, I love it. Yeah, Samara sucks. She'll I love come, her. come out of your TV screen and just crawl across your room and then murder you. Honorable mention moment. Scary movie three. Mm, yeah. Cindy, your TV's leaking. <laughs> Cindy, the TV's leaking. <laughs> Okay, first of all, when she goes and throws hands down with Samara is one of the greatest movie moments of all time. Yes! Just oh my goodness. beats the living shit And Samara just, like, crawls back in the TV and gives yes. her the middle finger. Like, fuck you, this isn't over. Oh, my, oh God. my God. That, that, all of that was so great. Brilliant. Especially On to number, sorry. Well, especially with the signs uh, crossover in that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We grew up at a time. Oh, yes. Yes, we did. That was uh, full offensiveness and parody was king. It was yeah, great. we grew up with the spoof movies and the torture porn movies. Yep. Spoof and torture porn. That was that was pretty much everything that came out for years. Yep. On to number six. I have... The greatest werewolf movie of 1981. Mm, okay, <laughs> you're you, you're you're being a bit specific here. The movie that beats out the second greatest werewolf movie of 1981, The Howling. I of course, <laughs> I of course have an American werewolf in London. Uh, yes, that is iconic in every way. One of the best werewolf movies of all time. I think. American Werewolf in London, I while I do obviously think it's a horror movie, I think it's one of the funniest movies ever made. I think it's hilarious. That's and fair. it's also violent and depressing. Oh, but, well, yeah, absolutely. But there's so many moments in this movie from the iconic transformation scene to the werewolf killing people in a porno theater. Mm-hmm. And then spreading the mayhem 
into Piccadilly Circus. There's, of course, David, the main character, waking up from his first night of werewolf debauchery and stealing balloons from a kid so he can mask his junk. And the kid going up to his mom be like, Mother, a naked American man came up to me and stole my balloons. What? Oh, like that whole, what? That whole interaction is iconic. But for me, my favorite moment of American Werewolf in London is the very, very end. Literally the end, the last frame of the movie to the credits is my favorite part. Because the werewolf, David in werewolf form, massacred Piccadilly Circus. But but his lover, uh, he gets cornered in an alley by the cops, but his lover breaks past them and she tries to reason with the beast. And she goes, David, I know you're somewhere in there. And the werewolf hesitates for a little bit. She goes, David, I love you. And you think the creature is going to like stand down. Mm-hmm. Then it snarls again and it's about to pounce and the cops just, you know, shoot the werewolf about to yeah, attack. So that kills him and he reverts back to human form. It's just we we folk we as an audience focus on this poor woman crying. She just watched the love her love of her life massacre massacre a bunch of people as a monster then get yeah get murdered just murdered and then she sniffles and then it cuts to black and it's like bomb bada bomb da bomb da bomb 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 bada bomb da bomb blue moon and it is the best cut to black credits sequence i've ever seen and it gets me every time because i always forget the exact moment where it happened so it always makes me laugh I, I, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say that moment makes me laugh. <laughs> it is so absurd. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it is just like one of the most dramatic, like sad moments, followed by one of the most upbeat. Like, yeah. It's like an anime ending. Yeah. Like, you know, just the most absurdly sad thing. Like, your favorite character just got murdered. And the ending's like, everything's happy. We're all good. (laughs) Everything is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, no, no, it's not. It's just from the timing of that cut to black to the music choice. The music choice. He could have picked any song, but he picks the doo-wop version of Blue Moon. (laughs) Literally any other song. But that's why it's the perfect song. Uh, that's fair enough. And I love that moment so much. I, would I say love this movie my, so much. I would say my fascination with absurdity in film matches your obsession with absurdity in music choices in film. I, I do love my bonkers needle <laughs> drops. i know you you like you know when music goes weird on us and i like it when the film makes absolutely no sense and the whole film goes weird on us and sometimes they go hand in hand (laughs) yes those are where we truly hit our favorite movies Mm -hmm. we're in the home stretch now oh man five top five and at fifth place i have candy man 
and the moment is the introduction to Candyman, played by one of my favorite actors, Tony Todd. Mm-hmm. Of course, it is the Be My Victim monologue. Be my victim. Ugh. Tony, it's so good. It's so haunting. Like, oh, it is. And just the route that you get to it, it it's just so it's so absurd. Yeah. Like being down in the laundry mat, <laughs> like walking through the broken. I don't even know. I don't even know if it's a, if, is it just like a mirror or something? It, it's something weird. Or am I thinking of the new? I'm thinking, I, I think you're thinking of the new one. Oh, okay. I'm thinking so, of the new. Yeah, I, I'm talking one. about the original because oh, it's in yeah. the parking lot and you see Tony Todd for the first time and he's kind of like in Helen's head talking to her because that, because oh, you don't see okay. Candyman yeah. before this moment, or at least you don't see the real Candyman. The whole first half of the original Candyman movie is kind of just like learning about Candyman's lore and following Helen as she learns about Candyman's lore. And then at like the halfway point, you actually meet Candyman and that's when shit goes down. Okay, so how does she actually meet Candyman? Because I'm trying to like grab my grasp on that again. So basically what happens is she... She gets attacked by a gangster who's running around calling himself Candyman in a bathroom in the projects in Cabrini Green. And because she's a white woman, he gets caught immediately. And while they're while she's talking about it with her colleague and she's kind of recovering, she's walking back to her car in a parking lot. And then as she's like getting in her car, you just hear like a Helen. Oh, okay yeah yeah that's and she moment. turns around and that's where you see tony todd for the first time yep so what was i thinking of i was thinking of an alleyway scene i uh, i think you're thinking of the end of the new movie is that the end of the new movie with the alleyway yeah scene? he's covering the person yeah yeah because he's covered ah. in the bees oh yeah because yes. the end of the new movie he's just like tell everyone yes, um that is true yep that makes yeah. sense yeah you, you <laughs> um i know you've seen the the new one quite um uh fairly recently because we saw it in theaters together <laughs> yes i know and i was like oh i know this one yeah turns out i didn't <laughs> oh well but no i'm talking about the original and uh it's in a parking lot and because helen outed the gangster who's going around as Candyman. People aren't going to believe in the real Candyman anymore. So he starts haunting her to keep his legend alive. And he says like the most cryptic, like, I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom, be my victim. And it is so good. Yeah, that speech is just amazing. Tony Todd MVP. Ending of that with the fire is just spectacular as well yeah 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 you got the right end yeah it's so good the whole movie is a fantastic piece of art i think well even the new one i think is also a fantastic piece of art oh yeah the new one was good i really i really i really enjoyed it and i thought the cine the cinematography in the new one the use of mirrors in the new one 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm here singing the praises of Tony Todd. But like in the new one, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, it's so good. Oh, absolutely. He had one of my favorite performances in any movie of 2021. So that's a movie I kind of want to revisit is the new Candyman. I should rewatch that soon. I'll watch it with you. That'll be a good one to watch. We'll do a double feature. Honestly, after going over this list, it's going to be like a quadra feature or something. We're going to have a weekend of movies. (laughs) (laughs) True. Number four, we have the final John Carpenter film of the list, who I'm pretty sure John Carpenter is the most represented director on this list. Most likely. Yeah. And you already know what it is. It's Mm -hmm. Halloween. Yeah. (laughs) It has to be. And I've talked a bunch about Michael Myers in October, what I call Slashtober. I'm not going to spend too much time on Halloween. You all know I love Mikey My My, but my favorite moment of Halloween is the iconic sit-up. Oh, God, yeah. That that scene, it's just so great. As she's like kind of stumbling out, is just laying there in the back and then just... Honestly, kudos to that man's ab strength to be able to just so smoothly pull himself up. Crazy. I thought I was terrified before, <laughs> but then seeing the core strength of that man. <laughs> I was going to say, if you don't think Michael Myers has core strength bestowed by the devil himself, you're dead wrong. He's not called the shape for no reason. That fucker <laughs> is in shape. truth preach it oh my god he doesn't he doesn't have a six pack he has like all the packs like (laughs) got a 12 pack got those obliques yeah holy shit dude (laughs) if he wasn't wearing a mask he'd be the best trumpet player with that core strength (laughs) true 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 I, I've talked at length about Halloween. I'm not going to spend too much time. I was going to say, how many episodes have you had on Halloween so far? Uh, the four in October. So. Honestly, somebody didn't pull that out beforehand as well. You know what? I, I will say this. When, uh, especially starting out, when I was getting people onto the podcast, Michael Myers would always be on the list that people would present to me. Oh, well, sure. And then people would always pick something else. Because, and this reason was used a lot, I don't want to be the first one to do Michael. Everyone else is going to do Michael. And I'm like, no one's done Michael. So that's why I went and I made a whole month. (laughs) But yeah, I'll move on to the top three. Ooh, top three. Let's go. Coming in with the bronze. I think the list is very obvious if you know me at this point. Bronze medal. What? I'm going with Scream. Ah, who would have ever thought? Wes Craven's magnum opus. And like Predator, this is an insanely quotable movie. Mostly Matthew Lillard quotes like, I'm feeling a little woozy here. Yes. And uh, for my moment, I'm going with the Drew Barrymore opening because it is one of the best horror sequences of all time. It is scary. It's so good. One of, if not what I would consider the best horror movie opening I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. It puts most other horror openings to shame. I mean, others have tried 
they get nowhere close. And what's your favorite scary movie? Honestly, that's the lead up to this whole freaking podcast. We're uh, it pretty. It, it is pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Legitimately, it's what's your favorite scary movie? Yeah, Scream. Scream's one of my all time faves. Ghostface is my favorite slasher. Scream is a type of movie that I want to make. Horror that's movies fair. that are pretty funny, but you know, when it's time to do the scaring, <laughs> they be scary. Oh, absolutely. The thing. I will always love about Ghostface is Ghostface is the most terrifying because he's not a perfectly flawless villain. He's he's an idiot and he fucks <laughs> up, he trips over shit. He, you know, gets flustered at times. But in the end, that that guy gets results. And what's great about Ghostface is it's not like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger, where it's the same person. Anyone could be Ghostface. That's what makes Ghostface scary. Well, yeah, it's been proven for how many movies now? Five? Going on six. (laughs) Coming to six here soon? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited for Scream 6. It's like Ghostface is the antithesis of of Spider-Man. Especially... If you think of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, where the whole theme of that movie is anyone could put on the mask, anyone could be a hero. Those faces, <laughs> anyone could put on the mask, anyone could be a villain. Anyone can be the villain. <laughs> anyone can be the murderer. All you have to do is put on the mask. And uh, I, I love it so much. I want to shout out Roger L. Jackson, the voice of Ghostface. Amazing. Because don't get me wrong, Drew Barrymore is doing top. That is an iconic performance in the Scream opening. But you need both Drew Barrymore and Roger L. Jackson to make that scene work, in my opinion. That that opening is so great because not only does it set the like whole theme for everything that Scream is about, it is both terrifying and perfectly campy at the same time as they're running around the house he like literally tries to jump over the couch and like literally flips over it and then as she's running outside she trips and it's like oh so this is a scary movie but it is also it's also you know just campy enough to be funny as well and it sets the tone oh it sets the tone better than any other movie has ever set the tone in the be- in the opening frame. Scream basically is like, we're going to scare the shit out of you, but we're going to have fun too. <laughs> yeah, it found its niche and it fits it perfectly. And I wish more movies would end up trying to do that. For those who don't think Scream is that scary, look, different things scare different people. All I'm going to say is there's a reason why I never answer the phone when I don't know the number and scream is the reason. (laughs) Well, I just don't do that because it's probably just a scam phone call. It's more likely Ghostface. Number two, the silver medalist and surprising Steven Spielberg is not at the top of the list. He peaks at number two with the greatest movie of all time. Jaws. Yes. Dot em. Dot em. 
<laughs> Jaws is <Yeah>. perfect. <laughs> Jaws. Like Psycho, what the fuck can we say about it? It's perfect. It, you can... Uh, you have come up to a point after how many freaking years of it being around to where there is nothing new that can be said about that movie that hasn't already be said, been said. The, I mean, I, I'll just put it out there. The Jaws animatronic is flipping amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, like people will give the movie a little bit of like, it's so good because they couldn't use a shark because the shark didn't work. But when the shark did work, it worked. <laughs> oh, yeah. When the shark did work, it worked incredibly. And oh, uh, I I have a hot take. Every movie is going to be remade at some point. It, it should not be done, but it will be. Jaws will be remade at some point. And it's going to suck because you can't do Jaws without your campy animatronic shark. Because it, then it's not, if you use CG, it's not Jaws. It's not Bruce the shark. It's just a shark. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't redo Jaws and CG because then you just get like edgy Sharknado. Right. But yeah, Jaws is a perfect movie. My moment is when the shark eats Quint. Yep. It is so violent and visceral in the way Robert Shaw is screaming. And then the oh, shark well, does a... It... It's the screams that get you out of yeah. all of it. And he's being thrown back and forth across the boat, just gnashed and thrashed. And it's just, how how the fuck did they rate that PG? The 70s were a different time. <laughs> now, so now, let's get on to our number one. If you know me, you know what it is. It is Ridley Scott's Alien. Of course it is. That is my favorite scary movie, Mr. Ghostface. There was never another option. <laughs> there is not a doubt in your mind. No, never another option. I love Alien. The Xenomorph. I was going to say, over the amount of years that we've known each other, I think we have watched Alien or some variation of Alien-esque movie probably 50 to 100 times. Oh, yeah. It's because it's amazing. I love it. I love showing people Alien for the first time because it always surprises me. It always surprises me because I, I've seen this film so many times that it doesn't like I'm not going to get a nightmare from a xenomorph anymore. But I'll show it to a friend who's never seen it before and they'll be like really like tense and like scared. <laughs> And I'm just sitting back relaxing and I have to remind myself, I've seen this movie hundreds of times. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, this doesn't have the same effect on me anymore. But at the same time, every time I watch it, I just see more how much I love it, like how perfect it is, you know? Oh, of course. It's it's an awesome movie in every way. And before I can or say 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 for sure. And before I can say my favorite moment of it, I have to shout out the chestburster scene. Well, yeah, I was going to say the chestburster scene, that would be the consensus number one moment from this movie. It might be the 
consensus number one horror movie moment of all time. Could very much well be. But we all know you don't go with the consensus. <laughs> no, I do not. Uh-uh. And that is because for me, my favorite moment will always be the reveal of the fully grown xenomorph. When mm-hmm. Brett, played by Harry Dean Stanton, he's looking for Jones the Cat, which, shout out Jones the Cat, Stana King. When Brett is looking for Jones the Cat, and he finds the xenomorph. And the last time we see the creature, it's like the little uh, penis-looking motherfucker. But now, mm-hmm. he's scary. <laughs> he's fully yeah. grown, and it is one of the m- most disgusting, beautiful monster designs. Well, one of my favorite like moments of that, like that whole scenario right there, is just where they are. With the like chains hanging, yeah, with that like kind of chain rattling sound at all times, and you're like, "Well, shit! Did he hit a chain? Did the cat hit a chain?" Right. They're like, no, it it was neither of them. But that's what <laughs> they're thinking, you know. Hey, I'm just looking for my cat right here. Oh, right. chain rattling! Oh, the cat must have walked by one of these chains. Oh my god, that just it builds so much tension. You feel it in your back, like right up in the top of your spine, like your back, and you're like, Oh god, just don't go over there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you see how good of a hunter the xenomorph is, because Ridley Scott shows you the creature right away in like the establishing shot, but you don't see him because you don't know to look for him in the moment. It's not oh, yeah. until he moves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're focused on, you know, you're focused on the kitty cat. It's not until you see the movie a couple times where you're like, oh, fuck, he's been there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. No, that is just an amazing moment. And my absolute favorite moment of my favorite moment is the shot. It's a close up of the alien's teeth. And he opens up, and you know what's behind his teeth? More fucking teeth. <laughs> a second set of teeth. And it's like it and it's like it's more than a second set of teeth. It's a whole ass second mouth. Yeah, it's it's a mouth within a mouth. It's his little mouth. Mouthception. <laughs> it's a mouth within a mouth. <laughs> and it is the perfect killing organism god bless the xenomorph and god bless alien <laughs> honestly weird weird way to go out but sure i'm down for it and what a way to go out my 50 <laughs> favorite horror movie moments what do you think uh that you have some absolutely amazing moments i know for a fact that we're going to have to watch a couple of them mm-hmm. including half dead bear i'm intrigued by that one <laughs> yes thank you for joining me for the 50th episode i Absolutely. really appreciate it man i love it wouldn't want to be anywhere else thank you so much thank you for listening to part two of the 50th episode of would you die thanks again to my dear friend evan for being a part of it the past few days have been wonderful for would you die a lot of new followers on twitter and a lot of new listeners So if you're new here, I just want to say thank you for giving my podcast a chance. I'm nearing the one-year mark of 
doing this show, and I've been devising some exciting plans for the pod. I can't wait to share these developments with everyone. No segment of I Know What You Watched Last Week, since this is technically a bonus episode. If you're enjoying the Would You Die podcast, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. Podcasting is hard, and I need all the help I can get to get this little podcast to grow, which you guys have been doing because it's growing, (laughs) as you can tell. If you want to help support the podcast financially, I do have a Buy Me A Coffee page. I'll put the link in the episode description, but it is buymeacoffee.com slash show. There's absolutely no obligation to donate, but any little bit will help this podcast so, so much. You can find the show social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Also, now you can follow me on TikTok at Would You Die Podcast, where it's become mostly shitposted gizmo dancing to random music, I find. You can also also follow me on Letterboxd at Taurus AU in case you want to know every movie I've been watching. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on 3 Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. Next week, we are talking about our favorite nightmare slashy boy. Until next time, I'm Austin Taurus. Try not to die.